Uh, welcome to the Love Sport Podcast. This is Paul, John and Pete. We'll be talking a little bit of EPL, a little bit of NFL, anything that kind of takes our fancy. This is, was and always will be the Love Sport Podcast. Another Love Sport Podcast. We're coming from the Gold Coast, coming from Brisbane. We're coming from what part of Sydney do you live in? Or It's not Sydney, is it, Pete? <laughs> no, I'm down in the south coast. So uh, close towards Wollongong Way is... Uh, I didn't yeah. want to quite... I didn't want to quite give you away there, Pete. Uh, that you know, there'll be many coaches uh, trying to poach you, mate. So, look, Premier League done and dusted for the weekend with Champions League coming up tomorrow and Thursday. What's struck you about the uh, Premier League this weekend, guys? I'll, I'll, I'll kick off and talk about not only the high quality of goals that we've seen from this weekend, I think that there were some sensational strikes, not only from, you, you know, the, the United-Leicester game, uh, there were brilliant headers um, from the Villa Wolves game, there was the, the sensational own goal in the Spurs-Newcastle game. Oh, yeah. But I think my highlight of the week was actually Brentford against Chelsea and the performance that Brentford put on and the fact that, you know, at full time, all eyes were actually on Chelsea's goalkeeper uh, in Edouard Mendy because he, without him in goals, you kind of have to think that Chelsea are probably losing this game because he almost single-handedly kept this result reasonable and kept it at 1-0. At what point, at what point do we say, Brentford, they're going to fall over, or we actually give them praise for what they're doing? For me, we have to praise them. They're, they're sensational. The, the the work that this Brentford team are, are doing, The we just look at their personnel, we think about who their coach is, we, we think about who who's they're actually surrounded by. Like, this Brentford team is actually something really special. Now, Ivan Tony is quickly becoming one of my favourite strikers in the Premier League at the moment for the work that he does. Now, previously, that I I would happily say that would probably go to Callum Wilson if Callum Wilson's legs were able to last, you know, a a decent period of time. Ivan Tony is quickly becoming that star striker because of his movement on the ball, off the ball, his his ability to link up play. He's just this tall, muscly, dynamic, um, attacking-minded player. And it it is so fun to watch. And teams that can't hold a lead. There was a few teams over the weekend that... Is it it the players, Pete? Um, Or is it coaching or is it a combination? Because we're seeing a lot of teams get leads that we would have thought were were good in the past who who just can't hold on. It absolutely is. Um, This is where... Momentum is such a big thing in football. And, you know, we use the example of Aston Villa against Wolves, for instance. So Villa's up by two, hitting toward the 80th minute. And you kind of think, yeah, you know what? Villa's probably in a good, comfortable position. And then the moment that the goal is scored um, by Sass, by Wolves, you you kind of think, okay, there's definitely going to be a shift in momentum. And at this point, as a coach, you probably need to be making a positive substitution to really impact the game and help, you know, solidify what you've already got. Or it's up to the players on the field to really say, hey, take control. And and the players who did that was actually Connor Cody from Wolves, who basically just said to his team around him, 
there's a chance. And that was it. And as soon as they felt that there was that moment, momentum just shifted. And that was it. That was done for me. Like Villa for 80-odd minutes, brilliant. And then the momentum was absolutely gone. Similar to what we saw from City. They had probably 60 minutes of decent football. And then they lost momentum. And they were super fortunate that Burnley weren't able to be able to find the back of the net in that game. What about yourself? Uh, what about yourself, John? You've kept quiet. Um, we're talking about your billionaire, multi-trillionaire club at the moment. Uh, are they going to stay up? Yeah, of course they're going to stay up. Um, you know, there's going to be a lot of resources, obviously, directed that way in, um, you know, in the transfer window. There'll obviously yeah. be a change of manager. There's a group of players there who I've said, and I've maintained, um, I've always had reasonable confidence in the players that we have. And correct me if I'm wrong, I think I said on several occasions I had no dramas with the fact that we would score and we've been scoring. Um, you bring Callum Wilson back into the team along with St. Max, you've got Almir on. Midfield is really struggling and the defence hasn't been organised very well and Martin Dubravka hasn't been able to play and that's been a big a big difference. Mm. The quality of goalkeeping has really hurt us. Um, yeah. I think Dubravka is one of those guys who will stay regardless into the future. Um, I think he's, you know, he's a high-quality goalkeeper. Um, and, you know, you get the likes of Jamal Lascelles back this week. I mean, you know, we score. Uh, we get out front. You're talking about teams that can't hold leads. But we're definitely that. Um, and, and the thing is, it's had a ripple effect as well, guys, because clubs like Villa have come out and said this week, well, we need, we need to spend a lot more money than we were going to. And so, you know... We can say what we want in regards to um, this being good or bad, but, I mean, clubs have made a statement. They they know what they need to do to, to, to keep up. So, you know, is do we even need that um, big six anymore? Does that make sense, what I'm saying, or not really? Like, the fact that Newcastle have got this money now, it's other clubs who do have a bit of money are going, well, we need to spend. Look, they do. Look, I'll just say that the fact that from what I'm hearing, Newcastle are not going to be spending big in this January transfer window. They're really going to use this time to work out if Steve, if Steve Bruce is actually going to be the coach who's going to be there in the you know rest of this season or if they're going to spend money to replace him with the likes of a Roberto Martinez from Belgium, or if they're going to offer the job to a Stephen Gerrard or a Unai Emery from Villarreal or a... Um, uh, if, if there's someone else who kind of like jumps out, I think that this is where they're going to really say, let's get a coach in who could take this Newcastle team forward and then say to that coach, okay, here is now your bank account to go spend money. Otherwise, they'll just spend money without having a good plan in place. I don't – and I and look, I haven't come across any Newcastle fan who's realistically said, I think we just need to go and just, you know, buy Mbappe in this, in this transfer window. But anybody would have to realise at the moment that we do need some investment in the midfield and at the back. Yep. And if we want to stay up, that's what's going to have to happen because – with or without the takeover, we've only got two points on the season. And that's a team screaming for assistance. And also, I mean, for, for what it's worth, I mean, Pete, you're a very good coach. 
Steve Bruce is one of the you know great defensive players of the of Premier League history. But the way that he organises our defence compared to the way that Rafa Benitez did it, it's just night and day. So who gets Same. sacked first, guys? Who gets sacked first, Bruce or Solskjaer? Bruce. I think he might yeah. go this week. Because, you know, after that, they, they, they got a 1,000th game. Look, the thing is, it's bringing a, a level – it's bringing – it's keeping the old discord. Even if they put um, – you know, his assistant in, who's a pretty highly decorated guy. He's a Graham, Graham, well, I can't remember his surname, but um, he, you know, he's he's seen as the, you know, the key guy tactics-wise behind Steve Bruce, not not his other henchmen. I think you have to have a root and branch clean out. Like, and everybody is, it's pretty amazing. I mean, I think everybody in the Premier League, especially the big six, has Steve Bruce as their favourite manager for Newcastle because he's not getting any results. And everyone's tutting and poop and the, the fans and supporters say, oh, you guys have got to be... I've been great full-time, and again, you've heard me both of you, yeah, saying, look, it was a great job staying up with this, that and the other, but at the end of the day, who would you rather have in charge of your club? Especially uh, if yeah. you've got the richest owners in the world. Give me a break. No one's going to keep Steve Bruce. It's over. Probably you. <laughs> but I'll tell Probably you what, you, the, the, the funny thing is, if... If this takeover had happened at any other time and any other manager was in charge and you said, I need a manager who's going to be there for pretty much three quarters of a season, someone who can just bring morale up, who can just make sure that the job gets done, you're probably saying, oh, look, just give the job to Steve Bruce. We know what he can do. So you're probably going to give that to him because that's the type of guy that he is. And unfortunately, he's almost overstayed his welcome. Because but I remember how things felt, Mate, when the when Rafa gave the previous owner lots and lots of chances to, you know, sort some things out, um, and Steve Bruce came in, the fans didn't want him then. Like every other club doesn't want Steve Bruce. Oh, that's a bad sign for your club if he's the guy you're grabbing as your masthead. And you know, to be perfectly honest, I find the way that, you know, people are talking about us, oh, my God, you know, Steve Bruce. It's like, oh, my God, Steve Bruce, whatever. He's, he's If he goes, he's going to get compensated at least £8 million. Um, and we wouldn't have been in this situation if those other clubs in the Premier League hadn't have stuck a collective you-know-what on our back for the two, two previous years since COVID, and this thing would have gone through earlier and then we would have had Rafa Benitez. And that's true too. Yep. Now, he's the one that everyone wanted. It, that's not a secret. Everyone knows it. Rafa wanted that. But he's he's a man of his word. He's going to stick with Everton. Look, you know, that that would have been great. I don't think it's the worst thing that we don't get Rafa because, you know, he's got a, a certain way of going about things too. But, you know, at the end of the day, we're in this situation because we got, you know, wadded around through the whole process that no other club's been put through before. So... I, I do want to come it's back. It's a miracle we're still up, and I'll take my hat up to Steve Bruce for that. I, I do want to come back to the pressure on Solskjaer because, yes, I think Bruce has been a sitting duck for a long, long time, but when is Solskjaer going to go? I mean, he cannot, it cannot be tenable for him to be managing one of the biggest clubs the world's ever seen. It, it, it can't be. With, with the squad they've got, they've still got a very good squad, and they're playing some pretty average football. He does. There's no doubt about that. And the thing is, this week we, we've heard that 
the person who's kind of been tipped to get the job um, potentially is um, Antonio Conte, um, yep. previously managing at Chelsea, previously Inter Milan, has been all around the grounds and, and, and knows the competition and, you know, gets the concept of the passion, the joy and what you're expecting from those regions. Now, the other people who have been kind of mentioned who is, you know, within the frame, Mauricio Pochettino, uh, mm-hmm. currently over at um, PSG. We also have um, Alex, head coach, uh, Eric Ten Hag. Uh, he's potentially been, he's been thrown around as a, as a potential replacement. And, you know, there's even the concept of a Zidane Zidane. Uh, being oh, but, come on. Yeah. yeah. Um, who would you take? It's only, a year, since, it's only a year since he was in... It's only a year since he was in huge trouble. I don't know how he survived. Um, and they did go in this year as a favourite. Um, you know what? There's no way that they would have kept... Marine. No. Sorry, boys, you still... Manchester United, if Manchester United <laughs> fans and supporters are really worried about Steve Bruce, come here. He's part yeah. of your furniture. I think he could do a great job navigating you guys through the bottom ten. <laughs> How's that sound? That's Steve Bruce. He's all yours. I'm back. Oh, I love it. I, um, I, I just think that uh, Liverpool, I mean... It's so funny. A club as big as Liverpool as well have kind of gone under the radar, um, but that radar shattered now. What a performance that was. That that 5-0 could have been 7-8-9-0. And, and you're a Liverpool man, Pete. You can... We're going to let you uh, shout the virtues <laughs> of your team there, mate. Uh, Luke, it, it was a sensational performance. And the thing is, this is a Liverpool side who... A uh, number of players had just come back from an international break, generically being the first game of the weekend. A lot of the players are tired or lethargic and you kind of just go through the motions. But instead, this was the Liverpool team who, who came out and, and swung some punches and they swung hard. And, you know, the fact that Bobby Firmino, he, he ends up scoring a hat-trick, all three goals inside the six-yard box as well. <laughs> yep. You know, they might be tap-ins, but you know what? They're three goals nonetheless. And... It's his little way of saying to Jurgen Klopp, look, as good as Jota is, you know you're going to get goals with me. Um, Mohamed Salah, again, he, he is just basically saying, put my name on the goal of the month and potentially a goal of the season contender after his right foot finish against Manchester City. This time he does the, the left foot finish against uh, Watford. So magical from him and then Sadio Mane adds to the goal scoring tally and scores his 100th goal in the Premier League so uh, to be blunt this was kind of the ideal performance and it was also a really good opportunity for Claudio Ranieri um, at Watford to kind of introduce himself and you could see that there are a number of players who are kind of going above and beyond what they thought they needed to do for instance a Danny Rose who just looked lost defensively because he was trying so hard on the attacking sense. And, you know, it's that balance of you get a new manager, you want to show off, but just do the basic stuff right first. Then you can show off. Just do the basic stuff. So anything else? I mean, I I think it was a great, you know, I first time in a long time, I was absolutely devastated. I'm going to be 
honest with you. I usually watch every Villa game. I've been pretty tired lately. It's not an excuse. I'm going through a little bit of stuff. I actually turned it off at the 70-minute mark. I'm just being honest with you. I actually went to sleep, 2-0 up, got up next morning, seeing us lose 3-2. I couldn't believe it. I still can't recover from it right now. Yeah, look, it's understandable. Um, it was an incredibly tough one. And this is this is one of those little fairy tale stories that I've got no doubt um, over at Wolves, they'll be kind of celebrating going, hey, how good was this? Because they haven't had a great deal to cheer about this season. Like, no, think about no. their record. They, they might have had four wins and four losses. So they've scored eight. They've conceded eight. They're not really doing a great deal this season. They just kind of exist. And they're, they're kind of the, the quintessential mid-table team at the moment. Now, they're not going to be a top six contender. They're not going to be a relegation threat. They're just a team that's just going to exist. And you know what? For Wolves fans, I think that this season, that is totally fine. Well, it's a mini. It's not their... um. It's not their biggest match, but it is one of their big matches. And when the Villa crowd was singing to them, 2-0, my Lord, 2-0, um, I'm sure the <laughs> the fans were singing a little bit differently on the way out. So, uh, well done. Uh, as much as it hurt me, well done to our rivals. Um, but look, is the title race over? Well, who's left? Title race at the moment? Well, we've got Chelsea at the top who is probably the contender alongside Liverpool and City. Um, it's really basically going to be that three, uh, race between these three sides. You probably are thinking that, as as you kind of mentioned before, Liverpool's in a way the dark horse of this title race, if you kind of want to say that. Chelsea and City are probably favourites. Um, Brighton is currently up in fourth, and trust me, every Brighton fan has been screenshotting and sharing the table so far <laughs> because they are loving life up there with Graham Potter... He's got this team buzzing. Um, yeah. Tottenham and and United, they're going to struggle. And at the moment, Europa League is where they're going to be. And, and that's where they deserve to be. And West Ham being the type of team to compete against, you know, your Everton's and your Brentford, they could be a Europa Conference League type team. So yeah. it, it's not outside the realm of possibility that a Brentford could finish seventh. Wow. That would be... When I think... Wow. Yeah, that is sorry. Well, like you know, we had this conversation last year about the same time. You know, is the Premier League is is the title over? Is it worth continuing and and all the rest of it? Look, it's eight games, and that's what I keep reminding myself about where we are down the bottom of the ladder. It's eight games, eight games, and Chelsea's on top on nineteen, and Brentford, like you said, is ninth with twelve with twelve points. Now, any team can get on a run, a good run for a couple of weeks, and that's what happened last year, over and over again. And um, gives you hope at the bottom of the ladder as well because it's not that far to get out of to get from three points to eight points. You only need a couple of wins. But it was only a couple of weeks ago that we were we were warding how wide this title race could be. Um, so I don't, you know, I'm not uh, diminishing what you're saying at all. But it, legitimately, only a couple of weeks ago, I remember us all saying this title race could have six, seven contenders, or you know, at least five or six. And it already seems like it's down to three because United. When they play their best, they're fantastic, but they're very gettable. 
You know, remember the old United teams, if they got a lead and got one or two up, you, you know, you were panicking. Now you're thinking, I can get these guys. Yeah. yeah. It's incredibly accurate because this is a United side who there's, en- there's enough infighting in that own team that you kind of don't have to get a psychological edge because they already don't like each other in a way. Like yeah. you kind of know if you want to play out of the back and you want to be a slow build-up team, you can do that because you uh, that Ronaldo is not going to press against you. And the thing is, they're not going to start someone ahead of Ronaldo because it's Ronaldo. And you pretty much know that, you know, if you're playing against a, uh, a central midfielder like a Paul Pogba, well, he's going to leave you some defensive gaps to try and, you know, expose if you're going to do short combination play. If you're playing yeah. against a Donny Van, uh, van der Beek, well, you're probably sitting on the sidelines because that's where he is all the time. And, you know, it's unfortunate, but this is a United side who just don't look like they're a together unit. Like, Ollie, Ollie's got this team as if they're, they're just comfortable in a way. They're, they're not... It's a really interesting relationship and dynamic that you know, if this was a, um, isn't it, even a Jose Mourinho, like he, he had this team under c- some form of control and yep. he had standards, but all he's kind of just let that fly and just be like, oh, don't worry, mate, I'll look after you. Like, no, be a leader, take control. Like I think back to a video or a, one of the press conferences that, for instance, um, Thierry Henry did when he was a manager over at Monaco. And a player stood up but didn't chuck his chair in at the press conference. Thierry just stood it and looked at him and went, mate, tuck your chair in. And the player came back and did that. I feel like if that happened at United, Ollie would just tuck the chair in for the kid. Yeah, yeah. Well, With- I'm hoping Ollie hangs around till the transfer window so that we can get Donny. Because <laughs> I'm pretty sure he's gonna I'm pretty sure he's gonna be on our on our target list. And he's gettable. Uh- I'm not saying he's not gettable, but I reckon, yeah, I, I reckon you've got your sights set a little bit differently on that. Plus, he'll stay on the field longer than John Joe Shelby, who can only last Callum, 20 minutes. Well, yeah, Callum for Wilson. different reasons, or Callum. Yeah. And so I think that's the, the thing. I think he is sitting there. And, like, you know, I just want to take another step and say I'd be more than happy. I know everyone's a little bit, <laughs> how's he, Mourinho? <laughs> we couldn't have a manager like him at our place. I'd love to have him at our joint. One, because he understands the Bobby Robinson philosophy. He gets the city. And I think he would bring some instant clout. And he might not be there for the long run, but it'd be a good start. Absolutely. So, guys, when do we start worrying about Leeds? I'm not worrying. I mean, I'm never going to worry about Leeds. But when when, when do we start <laughs> thinking, oh, hello? Do you know what I mean? Like, it's got to be worrying. I mean, you, you say eight games, but we're eight games into It's a fair sample size um, of the season so far, I, th- I think that Leeds's next game against Wolves is probably going to be one of those games that helps define a bit more of their season because they they do have potential. There's no doubt about it. They they've got plenty of quality. They they've got pretty much the next two games, Wolves and Norwich. They have to be trying to get at least three points, if not try and get four. Out yeah, of I, those thought, two games, I thought they'd want four points out of those. As a minimum. And then they get Leicester. So 
psychologically they're starting to think, okay, Leicester's not too bad. Then there's that other awkward international break that stops play for another few weeks, and then we come back and they play Spurs. So you have to think the next few games, Wolves, Norwich, Leicester, Spurs, realistically out of those four games, you're probably aiming for a minimum of seven points, if not aiming for a nine kind of yep. style. Like you're aiming to try and get some decent points and get this uh, get this season under control. We've got the Champions League coming up this week. Should we be excited about Champions League? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. It's a truly exciting time. I, I like I personally adore Champions League football for the opportunity that we get to see some great matchups between, you know, uh, Manchester City playing yep. against Club Brugge. Um, the fact that we get to see uh, PSG play against Abi Leipzig. Now, this is a Leipzig side who are struggling a little bit at times. They they kind of lost their identity. They've lost their way, but they're still a super competitive side. We get the the ideal matchup between Atletico Madrid and Liverpool. For me, that yep. is super exciting. And we also get kind of your your little minnows of Sheriff FC taking on Inter Milan at the San Siro. And that is a great battle. Yeah, you're not wrong there. You're not wrong there. So what other games should we look, uh, be looking out for? Um, Manchester United against Atalanta. Uh, this will be an interesting one on Thursday morning for us. I think that, uh, that again, this is going to be Ollie under the spotlight, whether or not uh, he can get this United ship sailing in the right direction. Uh, we also have uh, the Zenit St. Petersburg against Juventus game. Now, this yeah. is a Juventus team who are the only team in the top five leagues to have won their last five games in all competitions. This is a Massimo Allegri team that is almost vintage Juventus in a way. This is yeah a side who just know how to get a job done and they're fun to watch. So when do we, when do we start to get worried that the Champions League will be replaced? Is it going to ever be replaced? Do we think this Super Sixers idea will, will ever get up? I think it's always going to be a, a card in the back pocket of a lot of clubs. And this could be, you know, an eighth that a lot of teams will have prepared and say, you know what, we can press the button. We're ready to go at any time. But they'll probably sit on it for a little bit longer, Um, Mm. especially while a lot of the teams are still in this weird little flux in terms of their ownership models, in terms of uh, their financial status. Like, for instance, a team like a Barcelona who want to be in this European elite group Financially, they wouldn't be able to compete. And at the moment, this is a Barcelona side who, you know, if they played Villa in a Europa Conference League game next season, you wouldn't be kind of surprised because that's how poor Barcelona are at the moment. Um, wow. Like, they're, they're yeah, it's so just, sad, in all it? sorts. It really is awful. Oh, you think it is, but a lot of people don't think it is. And I think that was a little bit of sarcasm there from you, uh, John. I grew up loving everything about Barcelona and that, but, um, you know, obviously right now there's a lot of things being said about the takeover at Newcastle. Barcelona sold their soul many years ago and they sold themselves out ridiculously down the tube. And, um, you know, you reap what you sow. 
and obviously they couldn't afford it. They had the most most ridiculous TV deal ever that kept on shoehorning them and Real Madrid into the top two spots all the time um, and then taking them into Europe, allowed them to completely dominate their own competition um, because of the way they wrote it up. I think they're a selfish club. I think they only care about themselves, and I think it's nice to see the hubris disappear with them. Well, it was a... Um... Is that too hard? No, <laughs> no. I never expected to be saying that tonight. But whilst, whilst we... <laughs> Whilst we say this, obviously the history, you know, Atletico have gone against the trend because I think the top two teams, we've spoken about it before, get 60 or 70% of the TV revenue um, and then the rest have to scrap. That used to be the case. I'm um, not sure if that's true anymore, but it no, really I think that's did. Been, that, that, that never got changed. So I'm that's certain that there might be some Italian case. people. That's horrendous. That's... That, wasn't, that always, wasn't that always the case that they had that ludicrous situation. You had Atletico creating great players like Fernando Torres and people like that, and they literally couldn't get a look in. I don't think we're too far away from the renegotiations for the Champions League going something like this. Spain, you've got two teams. Mm. Italy, you've got three. England, you've got five. Yep. I just still think that, I mean, that's probably not too far from the truth, but Oh, look, in our lifetime, we're going to see another breakaway league or two for sure. Because if you're a billionaire owner like your multi-billionaire owners at um, Newcastle and you can't buy a team because you're getting blocked, you're just why wouldn't you just start your own league? It's like, here we go. We can't get in. We've got billions and billions. Right. Juve, here's a couple billion. Come to us. I mean, I, that's how I see it actually happening. Where... Yeah, people talk about billionaire owners and no one talks about how Red Bull have sort of, you know, created these huge teams as well. Yep. Um, you know, um, that's a fact. I just, I, I am looking at the Champions League, though, with a little bit of fondness. Yeah, I look at the draw and go, wow, isn't it awesome to see a matchup between, like, young boys of Bern and Villarreal? Like, it's yep. cool to see those old names pop up. I'd love to see, you know, some of those teams of old back in there, like... Um, you know, PSV and that, you know, competing at the back end. Yep, yep. When the Champions League really meant something, and of course it still means something, but it only means something. I really... I'm not going to say anything else because Barcelona fans are going to come for me. No, they won't. They, they, because there won't, be, there won't be any Barcelona fans around because they're not winning. So you won't have to worry about any of them coming at you because none of them exist when they're not winning. So oh, we won't yeah. see Barcelona... Yeah, yeah. Not in this country anyway. Um, so the other thing there, guys, we, we, you know, that's where I see, and I was, I was thinking about it all this week, if Newcastle had had that blocked, that's where those billionaire owners are going to say, you know what? We don't need the FA. We don't need this and that and the other. Let's create our own league because money talks. And eventually that money means that the, uh, the FA or FIFA or UEFA, if there's enough money out there, do you think they're not going to change their mind on what should be done? Well, I'll, P, you go first because I've got a really, I've got something I want to say about that pretty strongly. Yeah, this is part of the reason why FIFA is pushing so hard to have World Cups every two years is because of the financial benefit that it outputs. And look, there's plenty of players, coaches, administrators who are currently going against that model, but to be fair, this is what FIFA are pushing hard for. And there's uh, meant to be a meeting 
uh, over the next three days for all national team coaches uh, to join a call with FIFA to discuss the implementation and the way that it will be done uh, in the future. And it seems that it, it is meant to come into effect after the 2032 World Cup between USA, Mexico and Canada and potentially could be every two years after that. Well, I don't want to say a two-year World Cup, but John, come in, mate. You, you, you also, um, you, you, you had something pretty strong to say about what I said. It's not going to take breakaway leagues. Now, I think at some point, you know, it's it's really difficult to create fans. You know, de- developing fan bases and stuff like that. I think there's a layer yeah. of fan. Okay, there's fans who join up when times are good, but all of these clubs we're talking about. Look, let's be realistic. Barcelona represents the whole of Catalonia, and 100%. their fans are all around the world. And they're a huge club, one of the great clubs in world football. Now, if they go and set up in a new league, their fans will go with them. Yep. But if you're going to try and buy Barcelona, you want to be bringing a lot of money. But if you want to go and buy like or create a new or small club, like how many fans does Red Bull Salzburg have? <laughs> yeah, it's a big call. I mean, Salzburg's a, a beautiful call. place in Austria, but it's not going to pull it. And I think... <laughs> I think one of the reasons why the um, the consortium hung in there so long with trying to buy Newcastle is that we do have a have had a very we've got a very large not just local but international fan base, and I think I it'll come back pretty solid in the next year or so from all around the place. And I think we really are a a team that around the world is recognised as a huge supporter base. It's yeah, going to be good yeah. for the team. Well, look, we don't have Pete for much longer. He has other commitments. So Indeed. Um, I think it's been a really good discussion about football tonight. We're going to move on to a slightly different football and we're going to look at a bit of NFL. And you want to talk about seasons being done and dusted. I think some of the divisions are already done. I, I, I'm pretty sure some of these divisions are not going to change from where they are now. Mm, no. No, there's always things that come up and, and bob up, you know, a quarterback well, Bills, gets hurt. Buffalo Bills are home because New England and the Jets and the Dolphins are absolutely horrendous. I know that the uh, the only thing keeping the, the Pats in that in that division is obviously Belichick because the team's pretty ordinary, right? Okay. Well, that's, no, that's not new. Okay, we know that. That's so div- that, that division's div- always one-way traffic. And now it's the Buffalo Bills' turn, which I'm actually, believe it or not, happy to see because my Dolphins are... Horrendous. Uh, yours, yours is done and dusted. Your division. Mm. Come on. Go through and have a look at the divisions, and you tell me. You tell me what's not done there. I've got too much respect for the Detroit Lions to say it's over at this stage. <laughs> you have no respect for the Detroit Lions. Come on. <laughs> I'm gonna. I, I, I'm gonna get. This might be the night when I do get cancelled, and it might not be for saying anything rude. It might just be for being honest. So Pete's Buffalo Bills are, are going to face your Green Bay Packers in the Super Bowl. Now, that would be interesting because um, he'll win a Super Bowl. Your, your quarterback will win a Super Bowl and then he'll come into the AFC East um, being the quarterback for the Dolphins and he'll get $100 million a year and get injured in his first game. <laughs> I think if the Packers are playing the Bills in the, um, in the, in the Super Bowl, the Bills will be pretty happy because we do have a, a habit of finding a cookie in our throat in big games. Up Actually, the bills. 
you're not wrong. Yeah, look, they're looking really good. I, I love the way they're going about it. I think um, Lamar Jackson's Baltimore Ravens, we, we knew they got off to a bit of a shaky start, um, <laughs> but they're looking pretty good as well. The Bengals are out chasing them up for second spot. How about that? Look, are you no. Bengals? How awesome. It's a great story. And did you see Did you see um, the big fella's touchdown this morning? Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh, yeah. How good was that? Uh, how many yards was it? it was 70-odd? Oh, he just looked like a bit out of a gun. Just a giant bull, man. Looks like He looks like the Appers bull just running around. Sensational. So, so Pete, who we're talking about there is uh, Derek Henry. Um running back uh, for the Tennessee Titans. Uh, I think he ran he, – he, he is a man mountain, and he ran 70-odd yards for a um, touchdown today, and he looked like he was getting faster. Now, interesting fact about him, he averages, I believe, about two yards a carry in the first quarter, three in the second, and I think it goes up to about five or six um, yards yeah. that he's averaged throughout his career in the fourth quarter. So he gets stronger and the defences get tired. I don't know if we've ever seen a running back like him. My Not nickname for, in his career. My nickname for Mila Yedinak and, you know, pronunciations here. Uh, Mila was um, the fully grown man. I loved him, especially with his beard and that. You know, he just looked like such a dude, especially when he's taking his penalties. And I, and, I, and I totally trusted him as Australian captain. You know, you didn't believe in someone. Yep. Um, Derek Henry is a full-grown man. That dude's a beast. He's not a he's not a full-grown like dude who's just coming through under twenty ones. He's a he's a man. He's a man he's amongst a, men. He, he is beyond. I, uh, do you know Derek Henry at all, Pete? Yet or not? Not quite. Not quite. But please, definitely watching some highlights go and have right a watch. now. Definitely he watching is. some highlights right now. Unbelievable, mate. And uh, look, what I'm enjoying about the Titans who are going to be underrated all season, is that their veteran quarterback, Ryan Tannehill, is doing exactly what you want. He's staying durable. He knows when to um, do the dink and dunks, and he can throw a long ball. But he's the perfect complement to Derrick Henry, or Derrick Henry's the perfect complement to him. I, I like the Titans. Yeah, they're a good combination. I don't, you know, they're, they're the sort of team who will get you through. They won't get a home, you know, AFC um, game and home championship game, but they're a very dangerous side. I like their coach. I like everything about them. Love their jerseys, hey. Um, speaking of jerseys, when are we going to do that draw? Oh, but anyway, I, know. Oh, no. I my think fault. you're right. My fault. Definitely can see the car. Um, the Cardinals and the Rams is very interesting in the West. Cowboys is over. And it was just amazing listening to people doing everything they can to not credit Mike McCarthy with what's going on at Dallas. This is your second week in a row of it, mate. I can only give you a couple more weeks of um, Mike McCarthy love. Mate, for the first time <laughs> in ever, they're five and one. <laughs> no, no, he's doing a, he's doing an absolutely sensational job. And what he's done, uh, like all good coaches, as, as you would, Pete, he's given his players absolute belief. And for the first time in a long time, it looks like they're under less pressure than they've been for many, many years. They look like they're having fun. Oh, yeah, they're killing the it. That, that's the whole point of the game. Like, we, we all want to compete. We all want to do stuff. But, you know, the game is a fun game. And it's so much easier to have fun when you're winning and when you're playing games freely and you're expressing yourself. And that's the joy of it. So, you know what? If the team looks like they're having fun, sensational. Give, give me an agree. example. 
give give you an example. Um, my my daughter played her first game of basketball last week, and um, it, it is a mixed competition. So some of the girls are a little bit um, little bit apprehensive because it, you know in basketball, whilst it's a non contact sport, they're charging down the court at these girls trying to defend them and stuff, right? And what I'm teaching her away from her coach, and her coach seems amazing, is just go and have fun. Make the ball yours. Who cares who's in front of you? The ball is yours, right? You're under pressure, you pass it to a teammate. And we're just going to keep it simple. Just keep it really simple. You know, the shooting and all that will come later. But she's already shooting really well. So um, if it's not fun, don't play it, I reckon. No matter how much you're getting paid. No matter how much you're getting paid. So I suppose a good example, that's uh, Ricky Williams, who was a fantastic running back at college, went to Miami Dolphins, looked like he was going to be anything. And just wasn't enjoying it. So one of the guys who could have been a great running back, he quit after, what, three or four seasons, John? Yeah, just went roaming around the world, didn't he? Yeah. He, um, he was very open about uh, using certain substances and freeing up his mind and travelling the world. So, I mean, the game wasn't fun, but he ended up having fun. So <laughs> I suppose that's what we can say. Um, before, before we close this one up, and it's kept it a pretty small one, has anyone been watching any of the uh, WBBL? Yes, there's definitely been some good performances. Uh, I've really enjoyed the, the Sixers game when they played against the Hurricanes over the weekend. That was a great performance for me from the Sixers, an incredibly close game at that as well. Um, that was a really enjoyable performance. And then obviously Perth getting the better of uh, Brisbane. That was, again, incredibly close. Like This is what we're... We're getting. There's no kind of blowout games. There's no kind of the no... heat. The heat choked, mate. Twenty-two off twenty-one balls in a T20 game with wickets in hand, and they lose. That is an all-time choke. Yeah. I, I want to say a couple. Good, good bowling. Sorry. It's a big oh, good bowling. The bowling was okay. It was just really dumb decisions. You know what I mean? Like you don't have to force anything when you've only got that many runs in a T20 game on a flat pitch. But in saying that, the, the, there's a real push now um, where the girls, the fast bowlers are starting to come through and they're pushing it about consistently at about that 120 rate. Uh, so it's really good to see that happening because with the WBBL having the premier cricket for women right now, it's their best advertisement, right, besides the tests. And T20 naturally has uh, attracts the slower bowlers, especially with the, the women. Seeing a lot of girls now bowl up the 120, I think we need that for Test cricket and beyond. Yeah, who wants to? I don't want to watch a, a whole heap of um, um, you know little dart bowlers bowling offies at uh, you know. I'm not. Interested but that has that has been that has been what the uh, WBBL has. Well, it's the way to success because the girls don't have the power to get it off the square. And no. so it's as if you're bowling to a guy who's got no power in his game. You just want to tie him up in at his toes. And what I do think that in line with that, I think one of the things they've got to do is they've got to take the boundary out a bit further. Well, the girls are starting to hit the, the girls are starting to really hit the ball um, pretty hard as well. So I think mm. I think you're not I think you're not wrong there. You're seeing a lot more power hitting, and it's something we're going to see in the in the AFLW moving forward. Are we still out of court AFLW? I don't know what's going on with anything anymore. Um, but we're seeing a lot, you know, we're seeing the girls be able to kick the ball longer, they're handballing longer, they're taking stronger marks. We're seeing that with cricket. 
We've seen that for years um, in the world game. So, you know, it's good. I'm, 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 enjoy- I'm enjoying what we're seeing. And I did not think I'd be turning on WBBL on a consistent basis all the time. I like watching it every now and again, but I've been watching teams I don't care about. So that's a credit to the competition. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Agree. So yeah. going to give you, going to give you something here. Right here. 2006 World Cup, 2000 Sydney Olympics, or the Qatar World Cup, I can't believe I just put that in there. Can we go back on that? Uh, or the Qatar World Cup. You can only revisit one of those events. So you've got the 2000 Olympics, the 2006 World Cup, or you have to give up watching the next World Cup in Qatar. Which do you take? 2000 Olympics. What about you uh, there, John? Yeah. yeah. I'd take the 2006 World Cup. I like it. I like it. So even though we haven't seen the World Cup in Qatar, we're happy to give that up and go for the previous events and revisit those as if they were new. Yep. I like it. Absolutely. Any, uh, any, from, you, any from you guys before we end this uh, podcast tonight? Uh, this is like geez. a Zoom. This is like geez. a Zoom call at work when no one wants to speak up. Yeah, it's, it's a tough <laughs> one. Okay, would you rather? Would you rather a? Let, let's just go the the question of the day kind of thing. Would you rather have a a billionaire owner who invests heavily in a first team, or would you rather have a owner who invests heavily in an academy? I've got an owner who invests heavily in an academy, so I'm happy with my owners right now. So I'm going to go with that one. Oh, you know, say right now. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> we had a, we had an I'm owner who didn't invest in either. I'm not tr- <laughs> <laughs> I, I think, think of the two what... go. I, they go hand in hand, and I think that's one of the commitments from this new group is that we neglected our academy, and it was at the. It's been a net. It's been a net loss for not just Newcastle but for English football. Well, yeah, no, no, no doubt in the world. Um, but uh, it's a difficult one, Pete. You've got the tiebreaker on that one on your own question. Well, for me, I, I'm investing heavily in an academy. I, I think knew that, you were um, as a coach. <laughs> absolutely, like I know that first team success in the short term is absolutely vital, but for the longevity of a club you need to have homegrown prospects playing, representing their region and have someone that, you know, you can say, you know, as a 12-year-old, they were in the stands cheering on this first team and here they are playing in the first team, you know, eight years later. And that is something truly magical. Um, Put in perspective, there was a a kid who played uh, about 20 minutes for Manchester City's first team at 3 p.m. on Saturday afternoon, and at 7:30 that night, he was playing the under 20s team, and yep. he played a full seven, uh, played about 70 odd minutes in that game, and managed to score a hat trick. Now, that is a local hero that I absolutely support. Oh, I love it, guys. It's been a, a, a bit of a different uh, podcast last week. Uh, Pete, you're lucky you escaped. Um, John and I went on a bit of a woke rant. Uh, anti-wake rant, uh, well, I especially did. So we had a very different podcast. I got some feedback from my old man. 
And uh, he said I probably needed to um, – it was different. Um, and I probably needed to calm down, but I can't calm down. And my dad's going to listen to that and go, I didn't say that. Um, so uh, any final words before we head off? Any, any words of wisdom? Words of wisdom I will throw out is congratulations to Wellington Phoenix for finally getting their act together and announcing some coaches and some of yep. their players ahead of yep. the A-League women's competition. Um, incredibly exciting that it is kicking off. It's just um, interesting that they're taking the perspective wholly on focusing on development rather than focusing on uh, the success of their first season in a competition. That yep. uh, It's an interesting perspective, but absolutely back it and support them. And I can't wait to actually see them uh, when they come to play some games over in Sydney uh, later on this year. Well, before John has his say, I just want to say that the advertising for the new A-League season has been out of this world. I can't stop watching the, the videos. It's gone completely viral. All my social media channels are absolutely smashing it. Everyone's excited that the A-League's on in 40-odd days. Um, the the build-up has been one of the greatest things I've ever seen in Australian sport. That's awesome. awesome. That's really good. That's what we want uh, to that- hear. That was a complete lie. Um, I've seen absolutely jack on 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 the A League. I want to see that. I saw. You I was wondering what you're talking about. It's all over I've Channel seen... Ten, to be honest. All over Channel Ten. I know, but mate, it's been. Oh, look, you fought, you're Is in it? a crowded marketplace. It's been nothing. Just I don't put Channel Ten anymore in case chance on the project, so it doesn't get on. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, John, I'm going to let you have the final say instead of my rubbish where I say stuff with a straight face and it's a complete lie. It's a big weekend for um for uh, my rugby girls. Uh, we're going for a three-peat title um, for our open girls. And um, first of all, I'd like to hope that obviously that pray that all the girls involved in the competition get through um, safe and well and have a really enjoyable time. But obviously uh, we're going to be doing everything we can to try and make that dream a reality this weekend. And we've got a pretty good shot at it. So fingers crossed. We'll see how we go. Any any shout outs to any of your coaches or any, any of the girls? You don't want to get anyone's ego too up before the finals or you want to do a shout out post next weekend? No, they all know who they are. And 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 that's the beauty of, of the team is the team is, is, is who they are. And we've obviously had you know, Coach Chapman on our podcast and yep. he's spoken about them. This is a pretty special group. I think any group trying to achieve that kind of level of success over three years where, we, you know, there's a huge turnover of players because kids graduate, leave and yep. all that. Um, it's a pretty competitive market now, uh, girls rugby seven. So, you know, it, it, could, it could certainly be a long time between drinks. So, and so to try and get three in a row would be, Pretty exciting. So, fingers crossed. We'll see how we go. Well, with you coaching um, women's rugby, with Pete coaching um, uh, women's football. Uh, thanks for listening to the Love Sport Podcast. You can get us on the Love Sport Podcast on Facebook and Twitter. You can also get me at Paul underscore football on Twitter, John at Lambic Peach, and Pete at Pete Novakowski. Hey, hey, this is Kick Pushing the Love Sport Podcast. <laughs>